Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for this initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or having an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Wire. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up to the left, oh, blocked by James! It's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton, some rhythm, and he got it, young do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. In one of the weirdest years there's been, at least we got some normalcy. The Cavs got blown out in an afternoon road game in Indiana. It's it's tradition at this point. It, it, those games always seem to be the ugliest of the year. So we might go a little more big picture for this podcast. Today to talk about it is my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing quite well, Justin. Uh, in spite of the Cavaliers uh, putting together a pretty lackluster effort against the Pacers today, I would say to anyone who gets frustrated watching their favorite team play, whether they're the Cavaliers or not, just chase around a one-year-old while you do it. <laughs> because you kind of just don't think about it. You're like, okay, they're getting their ass kicked. I gotta, I gotta go do this. But like, not nearly as bad as you are. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think that ultimately it really directly puts the experience in perspective. Uh, as they, as I, as my, I get the 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 intent to get irritated. I'm like, whoa, 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 don't pick that up. Don't, don't go do that. <laughs> so that it really grounds you. So I would highly recommend everyone have a child specifically for that reason. It's also the reason you keep me around, right? Like I'm always going to be more ignore, annoying than the Cavs. So that mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of gives you something to bounce that off, energy off of. Absolutely. But you guys probably heard friend of the podcast tune in there. Today we got Dave Dufour from The Athletic. Dave, how's it going, buddy? It's so nice to catch up. Yeah, it is. It is nice to catch up. And uh, the Cavs are fun, which is good. Yeah, like they're going to be bad, but they're fun. And so, like last year, I feel like when we talked, it was more like, "Oh, I think Garland might suck." Colin Sexton, you know, like I like him a lot, but does he get you where you need to be? You know, and now it's wow, Garland's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you're a little bit more in on Garland now. That I I think that's probably a great place to start because the Darius Garland we're seeing in these games, like even the bad games, like I, I think he had a bit of a, a tough game uh, the other night, and e- mm-hmm. even this game against Indiana, I think a lot of the turnovers were kind of teammates not being ready for passes, but you know struggling with turnovers against length. Uh, you've been impressed with what you've seen so far from him. Well, man, he looks great physically. And it mm-hmm. just goes to show we really need to be even more patient 
with guys coming off these knee injuries, especially at his age. Um, but he looks great. He's getting around guys, like able to turn the corner really, really well. Uh, love the confidence. I, I'm not really bothered by turnovers. Like I think turnovers, there are good turnovers and bad turnovers, mm-hmm. right? There are turnovers where you're trying to do, do something good and creative. I love those. The ones that you don't like are the sloppy ones. And then the ones where it's like, okay, you're physically overmatched. And that's why you're these turnovers being caused. So early returns on Garland with this, the struggle with link. I don't think it's too troublesome. It's going to be an issue though, because I mean, we know how the NBA works, mm-hmm. but he's not, you know, among all guards, it's not like he's this outlier. He's not Isaiah Thomas. I think he's going to be fine, especially with his athleticism. What we're seeing right now feels a little bit more to me like speed of the game. Right. Playing in the NBA, it's a different thing, especially at full health. It's been a yeah, while. I, I completely agree. I think that the turnovers you do see right, right now primarily live in two two spaces, which are players just not being ready for him to whip passes at their heads. And there is a little bit of that physical profile problem with him where mm-hmm. there are times where he can't put enough zip on the ball still. Um do you feel like that's something that as he gets, you know, becomes more of a man, that stuff's just going to go away or that's going to stay I mean, a problem for him? Yeah, unless he's not going to get stronger than he is at, what is he, 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 20. And still very yeah. much looks like a kid. Right. Even though he's clearly and, taken time to, you know, work on his body this offseason, he still looks like a kid to me out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, he's no Colin Sexton, right? Like when you look <laughs> at Colin, you see Colin Sexton from the back and you see his lats, like, Mm-hmm. That's a really strong guy, especially for his size. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Isaac Okoro, who's just a freak at 19. Like, what well, the hell? Yeah. Built like yeah. a brick shithouse. <laughs> well, he's in the LeBron James school of just being an adult from the age of 15, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and he's so he's not that kind of an outlier. Um, I'm not too concerned about it. I think he'll be okay. But you're right. Like, his teammates had to keep their heads on a swivel. Because he is just whipping the ball all over the place. I didn't realize how good of a playmaker he was going to be. I think, you know, that's one of the sneaky things about this team. And and one of the reasons why I think that they've been catching people by surprise. Every single person that's on the court plays hard the entire time. And it's a team full of really good passers. Mm -hmm. Larry Nance, Andre Drummond. I mean, everyone on that team can pass. If you can do that, then... The dribble penetration that, that you're lacking doesn't matter as much. Uh, the, the high pick and roll game that maybe isn't as explosive doesn't matter as much because the ball's doing so much of the work. And in particular, when they get in transition. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's an issue is that in the half court, those guys need to be in the same page as Garland. Mm-hmm. I think in the half court, that's really these last two games. Uh, obviously, they jumped out to the 3-0 start, then lost to the Knicks when they just couldn't hit the ocean from a boat uh, from three and then the Pacers kind of stifled them. I think this is where you're starting to miss some of these core rotation players that are missing early on in the season. It's easy to forget that they're down two starters and their best shooter in Dylan Wendler Mm -hmm. uh, and and including one of the stars that is Kevin Love, who's kind of the guy who's kind of there to help juice that half court offense when the transition game, when you, when you play a team like Indy, who's just so fundamentally solid and Plus one of their so most hard. exciting players from last season. Like the the yeah. number of guys they're missing, it's just, it's staggering. And I, I talked about this uh, on our last episode, Dave, but one of the things that kind of stands out with the Cavs right now is they seem well coached. Like they, they seem to understand mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I think like you'll see they're doing the right things. It just might not always come with the right result, right? Like sometimes they're trying to do the right things on defense, but you just don't have the personnel on the floor or you have guys that are the, the ball moves, the finds an open man, but that guy just can't hit a shot. And, and there's a lot of that with the Cavs right now, but the fact that they've cycled so many guys in and out of the rotation and they're still executing on uh, both ends of the floor, that's kind of impressive to me. And it, it's, it looks prettier than it did last season when they brought in uh, a guy that yeah. was kind of touted as an offensive genius. So I'm going to say something that is going to sound like an insult, and I promise you it's not. Okay. No, I hear no a lot one, of things like that in my well, No one's ever been excited to have J.B. Biggerstaff be named head coach of their basketball team as, as a fan. No one ever has. Mm-hmm. But it keeps happening. And I, and this is the thing that doesn't keep happening if you're not a good coach. So Mm -hmm. I think that the league has kind of told us JV Biggerstaff is a, is someone who is reliable 
and you were going to get at least this baseline of effort and and coaching. Right. That that's, that's been an my improvement. That's, yeah, an that's improvement. been my whole point, Dave. Is that yeah? You know, th- why can't JB Bickerstaff be our Brett Brown, a person who up until a year and a half ago was held in super high regard? Why yeah. couldn't he be the Scotty Brooks for this team, like the kind of guy who at the maybe least more though. gets them to pre- you know to to compensate? But maybe more. So potentially more. He's never been given a chance to mm-hmm. just be the coach of a team. Yeah, it's always the interim thing. This is the honestly, this is like the first real opportunity. That, I mean, he signed a long-term deal. This is this is huge, I think, for, for NBA assistant coaches in, in particular. But um, J.B. Bickerstaff continues to get on these staffs, get hired, become their interim head coach, and then do it all over again. And now he's finally getting a chance. I think he's a secretly good coach. Mm-hmm, and yeah. we've just never gotten a chance to see it. So I think what we're seeing right now, this is JB Biggerstaff's coaching. This is his team. He's got them playing the way he thinks they should play. And I think it looks really good. What do yeah, you think I, is, I think, I'm well, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, what, what, what I was going to say is with him being an interim in the past, I, I think there was a notion, especially in Memphis, that, hey, this guy doesn't like young players. He's not going to play any young players. But you see coming into this season, Isaac Okoro earns the starting spot, e- even on a short turnaround from draft night. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes that type of criticism is just not enough kind of pol- uh, public knowledge or public disclosure of what role a front office is playing and right. who gets minutes and, and what the priorities of a team are. And, and there, there's so many people that go into those decisions. It's not just the head coach that um, I, I really feel like this is kind of the first year where we're going to find out exactly what type of coach JB Beckerstaff is. Well, you know, something we talk about a lot on Nerder She Wrote is organizational alignment. Mm-hmm. And like you were talking about the front office influencing, you know, the, the rotations and who's getting minutes and who's sitting. Um, but also there's human nature. If you're named interim head coach and you want to keep that job, you want to play the good players that are going to help <laughs> keep that job. Like if I'm a coach and, and I'm taking over and I want to keep this job, I'm not going to go tank because it's going to make me look bad no matter what, even if that's what the organization really wants you to do. Now the organization can certainly force your hand to a certain degree, trading away good players and things of that nature. But uh, that's the thing about playing veterans for, for a guy like him. It's, you know, it's human nature. Yeah. And now he wants to win. He wants to make an imprint. uh, Right. But now he's on board. I was going to be right. He's on board. There is Mm -hmm. organizational alignment in Cleveland. It, it, it honestly which has not always been the see, case by the way no that front office is really really good and i mean i've been impressed with how they've done things on the margins but we're seeing they're drafting well too yeah i i, I was I the only agree when they took colin sexton i felt like i was the only person that said it was a good pick you might have been <laughs> that and and so the funny me part and was the, me and the Cavs front office the only smart people in the room yeah, we, we can we can pull back the current a little bit, but you were one of the people because I, I was out on the pick. I, I didn't really like him. I, I didn't like how he profiled, uh, especially like what I anticipated was a guard that can't really shoot, plays defense and can score in the pick and roll. And, and that's just not an archetype that I had a lot of interest in. And you really helped kind of sell me on Colin Sexton. And after the Sexton pick, I loved Garland as a prospect, Kevin Porter Jr. really high on. Uh, Dylan Windler seemed like good value at that spot. Uh, Isaac Okoro, Carter and I were enamored with. It, it's funny because I, I understand why people can be hesitant to kind of give Cleveland the benefit of the doubt, but they drafted good players and, and they seem to have the right development staff in place. I mean, they're killing it, plain and simple. Now you could argue their their last coaching hire before JB. <laughs> <laughs> not great a yeah. misstep but yeah. at least you know that was maybe influenced by ownership a little bit too much um but you could see the the thinking there mm-hmm. bring in a successful college coach to work with our team full of young players that we're trying to develop i yeah. i understand it i i think that it clearly isn't uh as simple as as i just made it sound yeah. um but i can at least understand it so i think they've done a really good job in, in the aftermath of lebron right like Literally, the cupboard was bare. The cap sheet was full, and Still is, by the had, way. and you had nothing. Mm-hmm. And they've turned that into, you know, a bunch of fun young players that potentially are going to wind up being good 
players. And so I think that that's pretty good. Not bad. It has been two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it was so ugly on the front end too. I think that's what an important note here is that it's not like this is a team that lost LeBron and was pretty solid and then, and right. has gotten here. They were kind of a disaster right from the rip. Kevin Love got hurt. Uh, all the veterans kind of uh, quickly mutinied when <laughs> Tyron Lee was fired. Um, and then they were quickly kind of stripped down to their stripped down for parts. Pretty much uh, the only people who, who weren't traded uh, were the players that were honestly on contracts that were too untenable to be moved. So, you know, they, they had, they really did start from scratch. Dave, what do you think in your opinion is the kind of the biggest difference for this team? from the 2019-20 team to the 2020-21 team and and kind of what what is sustainable for them. Uh Andre Drummond. <laughs> Bro, me speaking <laughs> my language. Listen, the only two right. Andre Drummond defenders in the world, right? <laughs> like hey. This is where this is where people pay too much attention to how much money a guy makes mm-hmm. and not enough attention to how he plays on the basketball court. Is Andre Drummond a max player? No. 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 I don't care. He's a really good starting center in the NBA on yeah. both ends. Great well, rebounder. I, I'll, I'll push you one team. further, Dave. I'll push you one further. They also focus too much on whether they like how the person is playing. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Of course. Because Drummond's game by no means is attractive. No, not at all. I mean, did you see that dribble move that he tried to hit uh, <laughs> on Miles Turner? And he just like, it went nope. off his knee and into Miles okay it's hilarious you have to check it out like a little hesitation and he just immediately lost the ball Mm -hmm. uh but with that being said 18 and 15 is genuine production and he can legitimately do that he's a good passer so you can operate stuff out of the elbow with him out of the low block um he's enough of a threat as a post-up guy he's not good but he at Mm -hmm. least will he'll mash mismatches for sure right and and you have to be worried he's at least going to take the shot so you have to be, you know, you have to start sending help. You have to dig. Um, also draws and, fouls. Well, he draws fouls, but also, man, like he can protect the rim and you've got questionable perimeter defense. That, that in and that, of itself makes you yeah, better. <laughs> but that makes you better yeah. immediately because you didn't have that before. So, um, you know, it allows guys like Larry Nance to play his natural position, which is four. Mm. Yeah. Um, you, you wind up fixing a lot of stuff by having that one guy that you know who he is, you know, he's going to play, right. You know, he's going to be healthy and you know, you're going to get 16 to 20 points and 12 to 16 rebounds. Yeah. 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 And, I, and steals and blocks, right? Like right. steals too. I, I don't and, think I all the way realized how fast his hands were on defense. Uh, he's, he's great at defending around the elbow in the pick and roll mm-hmm. on the short roll. He is really good at poking the ball away from, from bigs. Uh, he's a good player, man. It's just another, it's like Chris Paul two years ago. Chris Paul had the big contract and now all of a sudden, well, Chris Paul's garbage. No, Chris Paul, still an all NBA player. Mm-hmm. Just got to throw that contract out, man. I, I, I do think that so much of the discourse being around the salary cap and this guy's got a max contract and this guy is on the middle, who cares when they're playing? And, and Andre Drummond is, uh, to me, worth the money he's being paid right now. Yeah, it's it's not like his stat line gets weighted against his contract and they make adjustments after the game, right? right? Like you are what you are. And um, Brian Windhorst said on the latest Hoop Collective, like, hey, the free agency class dried up and there's going to be value for Andre Drummond on the trade market. Like people are going to want Andre Drummond because both as an expiring contract and someone that can actually help you on the basketball floor, there, there's going to be offers. So the, the Cavs will have to make some tough decisions in the near future here with him. But it is interesting to see just kind of the difference that having a legitimate rim protector makes. Like he, he does have flaws defensively. Um, sure. There are times, especially off ball, where he, he can get a little bit lost. But having both him and JaVale McGee uh, as guys that teams need to shoot over – that's different than what the Cavs have had in the past. Like Tristan Thompson was better at containing penetration, but when your perimeter defense isn't doing any of that, that's not really a valuable skill set. Yeah. Disrespectful to Ante Zizic. Oh, <laughs> I would say it's properly respectful to Ante Zizic. The, the I'm Adriatic hoping, MVP. Come on. I, I'm hoping he's enjoying his time back in Europe. 
Yeah, I, I do think that Andre, I'm glad that you did mention Andre because I do think that even though he's rarely going to be a really popular player, I also think it's just a, I think he's also penalized for the way that the center discourse has gone. Of course. You know, yeah. I, and, and the fact that he kind of just languished in Detroit for as long as he did. And mm-hmm. frankly, even landing in Cleveland, like it's kind of like the worst case scenario for him where it's like kind of the same thing where he's going to produce, the team isn't going to win a ton, but it's like, if you're asking this guy to be your fourth or fifth best player instead of your first, which he currently yeah. has been his whole career, like the the calculus changes quite a bit, right? I mean, are you telling me that Boston wouldn't love to have Andre Drummond right now? How about the Clippers? They could definitely use a, a, I mean, a guy who has a little playmaking juice. Can, they, can they need a point of session. I think they need, yeah, they, they need Jokic. Yeah, know. well, <laughs> don't we Drummond. all? But you know there there are plenty of teams that could use an Andre Drummond, and you you need an Andre Drummond if you don't have one, mm-hmm. because yeah. every team actually kind of has one mm-hmm. somewhere yeah, I, on the bench. Rob Robin Lopez is more a, of an Andre Drummond than than people would think, even though he now shoots like a three a game. Um, <laughs> you know, Andre will shoot that. Yeah. Oh Gladly. yeah, he, he's more than willing to do that. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, uh, Andre Drummond really has kind of reshaped the way the Cavs look, just like 2020 has already reshaped the way we work. And it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed at, with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Anywhere. Go, go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st, so you better act right the hell now. Terms and conditions apply. Carter. Oh, my God. Now. Don't yeah. wait, guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't realize. <laughs> it's <We're>, now. <laughs> talks, our clock's ticking, baby. Uh, the NBA is back in action. Football's heading to the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but can you still be on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get it on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get it on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day or day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. This offer expires at 6.11 p.m. Eastern today. That's not true. Uh, don't forget <laughs> to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Justin, I think our compatriots at Blue Wire that are recording later this week are in trouble because they are this, uh, this, this read is supposed to take us all the way through January 3rd. You know... That's uh, this is a bit of a tough one. This is a Hate tough to one for it. those podcasters. We're, well, you're welcome, everybody. We got through our pods uh, early enough in the week that it wasn't a problem. Early bird gets the ad read. You know what the mm-hmm. old uh, saying is, Dave. I'm going to lean on your expertise as coach here. So okay. one of the things you mentioned, Darius Garland, the game's still fast for him. I mean, this mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's him learning what his body is capable of. It's his mm-hmm. first time really playing at this speed. And we, we saw it even today in the Pacers game. Like he was tentative at times. He was kind of passing up some shots, still ended up with 21 and five. So that's that's nice. Like that's right. that's not how his tentative games last year looked. Um, but is it easier for someone that's kind of, more prone to pass pass first guys to learn how to be aggressive or is it easier for someone that has tunnel vision Colin Sexton for example to learn how to become an effective passer I think it's way harder to learn to be a passer mm-hmm. than to learn to be a shooter um I mean look Jokic does this right like Jokic will go three quarters and not take a shot but when it's crunch time he'll he'll just take every shot and so I think his natural inclination like like Magic Johnson is the pass first, pass first, mm-hmm. pass first. Garland's probably the same way. I think it's way harder though to convince a guy who is a shooter to be a passer. 
-hmm. We've seen it. We've seen people say that they were going to do it and it didn't happen. DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan is about the only guy I could say, like legitimately turn himself into a playmaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, Darius Garland and DeMar DeRozan, uh, Plus Chris Paul, top three in assisted turnover ratio coming into tonight. There you um, go. So I, I'm actually blown away by DeRozan. And before we, I, I want to move off this a little bit and continue with the Cavs, but I do want to give some credit to another impressive passer, uh, which is Sabonis. Because that Oof. guy is a legitimate star. Like, I can't remember, uh, I, I think the most recent example I can remember of one star passing another on the team is like, Steph Curry passing Monte Ellis, but like Sabonis is now legitimately the best player on the Pacers and, like by and, a mile. Yeah. Well, and it's it's tough on Oladipo because he got hurt right after you know we saw him kind of take that leap, and mm-hmm. so we don't really know where he is. Although I will say he looks good so far. Yeah, um, he looks way better. He's getting now a little Danny Granger right now. Yeah, um, but I've been so low on Sabonis, really, and, and it's it's criminal. It's criminal. I've been wrong about Sabonis. Um, This, like the bubble, them missing him in the bubble was one thing. What I'm seeing out of him right now, though, this looks like the guy who is an all-star. Because I didn't think he should have made the all-star game last year. Right? But now he looks like an all-star. And I don't know where this guy came from. (laughs) He's shooting threes. He's so aggressive. Uh, Clearly, they're focusing on getting more space on the court and he's taking advantage of that. He's going to be a legitimate all-star this year. Honestly, I can't I'm wait till sure he's not playing many, with another center. Like, yeah, I, I'm not sure how many bigs I'd take over him because here's the thing with him is yeah, the defense is going to stay a problem, but offensively he's pretty Jokic esque because he's a masher in the post. He's a foul drawler in the post and he's averaging what? Like six, seven assists a game right now. I don't really feel like he has too many offensive weaknesses. Uh, I mean, he's clearly not Jokic, right? No, but no, I he's not. He's saying. not there because right. Jokic is just bigger. I think, honestly, well, and better. Yeah, and he's yeah, better. The, the passing is there. The ball handling, he can as go a scorer. Go, though I don't know, man. I think it's pretty close. No, 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 no. Jokic can go both ways. It, with with Sabonis, you can load up on his right That's side. Fair. Uh, you can That's load fair. up on his left. He doesn't go right. He doesn't go right. He's that mm-hmm. young. Uh, so no, I mean, come on, Jokic, Jokic is. I'm not saying maybe he's Jokic sec- to be very. No, 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 I'm offended right now because. You, well, I'm not <laughs> saying he is. I'm saying that he's got Jokic-esque okay. qualities. Jokic is one of the most skilled players in the league, and mm-hmm. Sabonis clearly is skilled, but it's a different, it's a different type of skill. I think Sabonis's best skill is like his burliness. If oh, that yeah. makes sense. That like, post uses- is nasty. He uses every single bit of his body. Like he's really good at hooking guys with the elbows and not getting caught. He's got great shoulders and he uses them really, really well. And then his dribble handoff game is just undeniably, he might be the best dribble handoff center in the league. Yeah. yeah. I, I well, might and- give him that. And that's why they run all those actions off of him there. Um, you know, uh, I think that that team kind of realized what it could be in the bubble when mm-hmm. TJ Warren was going nuts. And now they've got a healthier Victor Oladipo. I think we've all kind of slept on the Pacers. Uh, not this guy. I They were one of my favorite over bets for this. What if this, this is a Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr type coaching upgrade for you a team really that doesn't so? have a star? I'm saying, what if it is? Oh, well, yeah, I don't maybe, know, man. I, maybe it's, we need to credit uh, Bjorn. Well, Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan is yeah. a really good coach. I love Nate right? McMillan. <laughs> Nate McMillan's a very good coach. But that locker room clearly did not like him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, like, and look what Toronto looks like voice. right now without uh, Nate Bjornsson on the bench. Yeah, maybe um, Nick Nurse. And, and, may, Nick Nurse was stealing some credit. Maybe here's your chance to oh, drop yeah. a hot take. <laughs> Help get us aggregated, Dave. No way. No <laughs> call. Way. Call Nick Nurse a fraud. Do it now. Uh, no, 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 no. Nick Nurse no, is not. He's a awesome. He's awesome. He's really he, great he's, coach. He's great. But and and I think and Nate McMillan is a great coach too. Um, Nate McMillan coached those guys up for years. He got them into the playoffs years that they should not have made it. But you know, Larry Bird talked a lot about this. Sometimes you just need a different voice. And clearly, the Pacers like locker room felt like they needed a different voice. And if they want to keep Oladipo, I think that was kind of part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that you're not that basically you were going to have to change the coach if if you want to keep your star player so well i think that this is the if there's ever been a time there every now and again the nba presents eras where a team of b and b pluses 
can go right. win a title. Right. And I think this might be still we're we're kind of in one of those little mini windows. I'm not saying one will. Well, Miami, Miami is yeah, that team exactly. last year, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so if, like if you look at that if team, they don't have you the look injuries. at this Pacers team, they have more B and B pluses than Miami did last year, especially from a health perspective. Like Brock, they don't Oladipo, uh, but Warren. None of those guys are as good as Jimmy Butler. That's and fair. I would say Adebayo would be the second best if you combine the two teams. I think Miami would have the two best players. I think Sabonis is better than Bam. Oh, no, 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 no. Bam, Bam <laughs> was the best player on Miami. Bam was the best yeah. player on Miami. I think you could maybe say that this version of Sabonis might be better than this year's Jimmy Butler. I, 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 it's it's a that. take. I know it's a take, but I really love yeah, Sabonis. I really do. Especially, yeah. he's not even playing in position right now. He's playing with. He's playing next to a, a Miles Turner, who is not a fit on this team at all no no what not, i really enjoy is not anymore even nope. though the center position is dead so many of the best teams in the league have their best player being a center maybe. oh it's almost <laughs> like maybe people might have overreacted yeah may, maybe the traditional well, center has no a little one, less value <laughs> that's the thing though it, it, the center never went away right mm-hmm. like the tall guy never went away it's yeah. the the plotting guy the unskilled yeah. the may yeah, brown yeah. Kwame Brown went tags. away. Right. Those guys went away. Even when the Warriors were small, right, with KD, they were still big. Yeah. And no team and, and the teams that started chasing small ball were the teams that are now behind everybody else. Mm-hmm. But like you look at Utah, you look at Denver. I mean, every team that that has a shot at making the finals, a legit shot, Lakers, Clippers are, are probably have the weakest center rotation of yeah. all those teams. Yeah, and, and and they got a good one in, in Zubak. Like, so centers it, are fun, man. I they love are centers. That's so why. I, that, this is why I'm such a sucker for Sabonis. Yeah. I love a good post game. Yeah, yeah. And, and and small ball was more about having five guys on the floor that can do a bit of everything. And if you can right. do that with length, then then you're almost impossible yeah. to defend. Right, and and there have been two versions of of small ball that worked. To, to one degree or another. There was the Warriors, which obviously worked so great. And then there was what Houston did, which mm-hmm. kind of worked. Yeah, yeah. They just but, had worse players. And and with less flexibility as well. I think flexibility exactly. is still king here. You have mm-hmm. to be able to play multiple styles. And every well, every team who goes to the playoffs with one style gets beat. Milwaukee, Miami. Yep, exactly. One question I had for you, Dave, uh, while we stay on the NBA uh, at large, before we kind of pivot back to Cavs, I was talking to a buddy this afternoon about it, and I'm having a weird experience with this season where it all feels a little random. Like, it doesn't feel quite real to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not watching a lot of these games, even the marquee matchups and going, what can I learn? Like, it feels a little, like adrift to me right now like it's almost like we're still in preseason have you like had like bubble. a similar vibe to these early games uh i think the whole season is going to feel like this uh, it just feels like it it's so unnatural because we didn't have a very long layoff um unnatural was, is a great word yeah um not a long layoff and a ton of games just crammed together yeah. and then the back-to-backs where we're, we're watching like i think minnesota plays Utah back to back. I'm not sure next week or something um, or Denver. And those are odd, right? Because yeah. it, it feels more like I'm watching baseball to a certain Cavs play two games in Orlando. Uh, yeah. In, in three nights. Uh, so it is week. weird. Like it's definitely weird. Um, it doesn't feel like a real season, but it also isn't playing out like a real season so far. Like the, the point swings are incredible. We actually, on this week's Nerder, we talked about this because Seth just wrote about it over at The Athletic. Essentially, no training camp. Guys in and out of the lineup, injuries and COVID stuff. And it's just disjointed. And Mm -hmm. also, there's a lot of really good players. So it's just like... I don't know. It's it's just difficult. It's hard as an analyst, obviously. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm learning anything, any meaningful information for the postseason. Yeah, what can right I now. get? What can I get from the Charlotte Hornets beating the Mavs by thirty or whatever last night? Nothing. Or, or the Knicks beating the Bucks by twenty. Yeah, or or the Mavs beating the Clippers by fifty, and then losing <laughs> and, to and Charlotte I, by thirty the next game. Like, and I will I, note all three Cavaliers wins are exceptions to this rule. Those are all indicative of a larger trend, right. and yeah. the Cavaliers are going to be the next only team the, that wins the league. Yeah, 
Only the wins. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That's that's part of why I'm so impressed that the Cavs do look cohesive is because Mm -hmm. there is such a quick turnaround time, right? Like it's, I mean, this was our our first kind of blowout loss, but they they were in this game. And I I do think, Dave, your point about the talent level in the NBA, like that's one thing that's really standing out to me is now there's so many players that have come in. Like I think last year's draft class, they didn't have a great rookie season, but there's so many that are starting to blossom this season and really stand out. Uh, you, you see Mikhail Bridges breaking through in Phoenix. Like, there's just so much young talent coming up that if you have a bit of an off night, it can go off the rails within like a possession or two. It feels so. The rookies last year, like, just think about how odd of a season it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you had you had Kobe dying, and then you had the league shutting down. Yeah. So a lot of the guys, like, I mean, Kobe dying didn't really shut the league down, but I know it affected a lot of people in various yeah. ways. Um, and then the league shutting down, you didn't get a lot of guys getting that burst in, in March where mm-hmm. I think they start to build on Super what they're going to work point. on in the summer. Right. Yeah. And so working on stuff in March for rookies lets them know where they're at. And this is why you see that big February, March surge from a lot of rookies on bad teams, getting extra reps, getting a lot more usage because it's going to help you tank. And they're going to get better because of it. Not because of the reps per se, but going into the summer, they know where they have to work. And a lot of these guys, they basically had these longer off seasons where they didn't get the experimental part of the season. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some guys that look great and some guys that look like rookies again. Uh, but we saw in the bubble, the, the teams that took rookies into the bubble stand to benefit the most because they got a full, they got mostly a full season on a competitive team. They got a break. They got another training camp and then games in the bubble. Then they got another break and another training camp. Like Tyler hero looked amazing in the bubble. Yeah. Duncan Robinson looked amazing in the bubble. I don't know if they would have been that amazing had there not been a hiatus. I'm oh, sure. 100%. Well, no, the, right? I mean, Hero won, and, like, there's a fair qualifier there that he wasn't healthy. Like, <laughs> that, right. that was the other thing, right? Like, a lot of rookies, it's difficult for them to go through a rookie season yeah. because they've never played that many games. The travel, it, it's tough on their bodies. So uh, having that break was definitely a big um, asset for them. Yeah. I Now that we're kind of on the topic of player development, I, I want to get more thoughts on the Cavs core. Um, this, this was something that we actually had planned for last week, but I'm an idiot and don't know time zones. So you know what? We're, we're doing it now. I want you to give your <laughs> rankings of the Cavs kind of four core uh, prospects, both by ceiling in, in terms of who you think has the most upside and floor on who you have the most confidence in. Uh, I'm going to say ceiling is uh, a Coro. Really? Coro's got the, got the highest ceiling. ceiling. I think so. Yeah. And what, can you does. can you elaborate on that? Because I feel like a lot of people view him as more of the high floor kind of player. As oh, to I mean, ceiling. the floor is high, but I think the ceiling is also high. But the ceiling uh, look, is it's the a, roof. It's a wing league, you know? And to be able to do the things that he can already do as a rookie, like it looks great. Now, I wouldn't have said that, you know, a month ago. Yeah. What I got to see out of him in preseason, um, I, I saw quite a bit. I see a guy that fits in the NBA. Now, I don't know if he's a two or a three for, for you guys this season. Yeah, um, I, I think he's I think he's pretty firmly a, a three. And they, they even anticipate. I mean, he played a little. So bit I worry about the as well. So defensively, right? Like, how's he going to hold up when he has to switch on the bigger guys? Stuff that mm-hmm. you worry about with every 19 year old. Yeah. Um, you know, like, is he going to be able to, to deal with that physicality? without fouling too much and, and making big mistakes. But on the offensive end, man, I think that there's a lot of room for growth as a as a ball handler and a playmaker. And so, you know, and it's probably just because he's the youngest guy. If you would have asked me this a month ago, I bet I would have said Kevin Porter. Yeah. Well I'm I'm because really happy. Shot I'm, creation, I'm, right? I'm I'm relieved that you said that because I always feel like I'm a crazy person and going all in on optimism and I definitely wouldn't have had him that that high on kind of upside r- rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I'm seeing, like how advanced he is, understanding offense and defense, the the mechanics of the shot look better. Like, yeah, I, I definitely see it there. I, I do want to get the rest of your ceiling. Well, rankings, that, okay, so ceiling, I'll, I'll say um, Kevin Porter second, Garland third, Colin Sexton fourth. But for floor, Colin Sexton has the highest floor. Like, if this is his floor, mm-hmm. that's pretty damn good. 
Yeah. Um, the rest of these guys are, are question marks, to be honest with you. KPJ, like, what's it going to look like in a, re- in a real season where he's competing with a Coro for minutes and, you know, uh, touches with Garland and, and Sexton? So I really, that one is to be determined, but I know the highest floor for sure is Colin Sexton. His floor is six man of the year award winner, I think. Yeah. So one question I had about Sexton for you as someone who loved him from the onset, because again, we were skeptical about skeptical about the pick. I think I've kind of vacillated on where I feel about him, but I I do feel like last year, even when he was going on his kind of big explosion down the stretch, it all felt a little in a vacuum. Didn't feel like it really was affecting team success a ton to me this year. I feel like that's different. I have my own theories on that. What are your theories on his growth as a player from last year? Well, he is passing the basketball, right? He's making passes. That's great. Um, But he's got better players around him. I know that sounds like too simple, but the truth is he's got Andre Drummond, (laughs) got Larry Nance. Garland looks pretty good. That helps. Like he's not the only guy. Um, So I'm, I'm not surprised that they look better as a team when he's on the court. So um, you know, it's typical stuff though, but he, he is such a smart player and such a hard worker that he's one of the guys that I think could do the thing where he's a shooter, shoot first tunnel vision and become at least a passable playmaker where he's, you know, driving to the basket and looking for the kick out to the corner. I think he's had two games in a row where he might've only had four or five assists, but I think what he had 14 potential assists against the Knicks and, I know that I always make fun of Justin for the potential assist stat, but 16, uh, 16. So like, so like he he's been, he's actually, I think you're right that the vision is better. And I also just think he is as a result of the better players on his team. It's not just a matter of they make him look better. It's he gets to attack a destabilized defense and he gets to be a play finisher instead of a play starter. And that goes a really long way for a player like that. But also think about it. The the defense has other concerns than him. mm -hmm. So when he draws attention, now he has easier passes to make. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't even have to be like a great passer. I thought this game against the Pacers was the first time that I, I, kind of found myself being frustrated at him missing guys and uh but overall like it's still growth from where he was at last season like I think a lot of times when he gets the ball now he kind of knows where his bailout guy was like Mm -hmm. there there was one time where where he caught the ball he found Jetty in the corner he could have had an open Garland trailing the play um but he knew that okay when the defense comes up to me I'm going to Jetty's kind of my bailout on this play and and that's so much better than where it was at last season so if he at least knows where the reads are, are supposed to be and, and kind of has an understanding of that it's going to make a big difference on his uh efficiency offensively and yeah. now you, you add that he's competing more uh on ball when he's playing defense he, he's he's rounding out his game surely but it may maybe a little slower than some people want to see but it's happening dave yeah, do I, you feel like he's his future is as a bench player because I feel like I'm having a harder and harder time justifying that line of thinking given the way he started the season. Yeah. That's the thing is he continues to do this stuff. And so at a certain point you're like, okay, well now if the passing is there, if the playmaking is there, right? Like it doesn't mean he's got to average five or six assists, but he's got to make the play. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those reads weren't even there last year. So I can hardly blame him for not making them. Uh, But the the issues that, that we have with him right now are he's not a plus playmaker. And so if you can replace him with one, then, then you would do that. But also the defensive stuff. He cannot miss screens at all. I don't know why. I don't know if that's bad communication. I, I find that hard to believe, especially yeah. now with Drummond. I think he just he, gets caught. I, I, I'm actually curious what you think about this theory, Dave, because I've been thinking about this a lot. I think he trusts his strength too much. I think the dude's been working so oh, hard absolutely. on his body that he goes, I can fight, I can muscle through this screen. <laughs> and he can't, he just can't. Like, right. if you look at Garland, who has taken an enormous jump as a defensive player from oh year one God, to year yeah. two, it's all about getting skinny and getting through the screen as opposed yeah. to trying to muscle your way through. And I feel like that's that's Colin's number one problem. I, uh, I mean, maybe. I, I wouldn't put that on him, but I don't, I don't hate the idea. I certainly would <laughs> accuse one of my players of that if I thought that was the case. So well, I mean, it's just like you literally watch him fighting and he hits it. I know, but, but for me, I'll, I'll blame it on the vision until he proves me. Otherwise Mm -hmm. Uh, he should miss those screens. 
Yeah. Plain and simple. And it's not a schematic thing. Um, he's supposed to be going over those screens uh, and he's not doing it. He's literally running into the, into the, uh, smack dab center. into the chest and, of a, of and a then, 280 pound center <laughs> and now you're setting your defense at a disadvantage so he has to get better at that he has to get better being on the ball they're gonna go at him opposing mm-hmm. teams are until he gets better so he's got to get better that's that's yeah. the way that he can stay a starter yeah Garland, that, i think is already a pass and he has a way higher center. defensive ceiling than someone like Darius for sure uh, he, he's a crazy athlete I mean, he is a legitimately incredible athlete. Uh, he can jump out of the gym. He's got really great instincts. Uh, long you know, arms. He's, he's long arms, good first step. He could be a great defender, but there is a lot of feel stuff to it. Yeah, I, I do think it, something we, Justin and I were talking about recently, just in a, like a G chat was like the fact that there also aren't that many huge twos anymore that, yeah just that just bully the shit out of you if you're six yeah. one like look everybody's at the six, Mitchells of six the world. one six two or they're six seven yeah 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 there's not a whole lot of middle ground there they and, all became pitchers or something <laughs> they all became tight ends yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the, a point i i made uh earlier this week when we're talking about the role with sexton like even if you believe okay he can be a six man of the year uh i think he's better coming in off the bench those guys, they, they play 30, 34 minutes a right. night. And if he's, playing, games. if he's playing 34 minutes a night, it's impossible for him to not play it like at least 20 minutes with Garland. So it's important that they figure it out because as long as they're both on the team, they're going to play a lot of minutes together. And if that means, okay, we're starting Sexton and four of those 20 minutes they play together come at the start of the game and one of them subs out right away, um, I, I don't have a big problem with that. I, I don't think those minutes are that much more important than others, especially if they can at least be a net positive together where, where they're still winning a lot of those minutes. Yeah, and I, I don't see any reason why they can't do it. Yeah, I, I agree. And Just got to improve. What, what would you say? So I, I think a lot of people can agree that this season isn't really about wins and losses for the Cavs, or as we a like wins to call and lessons. Them, wins and lessons, baby. Um, but for putting on your coach's hat again, uh, what would you say is probably the the best thing that Cavs fans should focus on when we're looking at the season? Like, obviously we, we track kind of the box score numbers of Garland Sexton and the other young guys, but what type of things do would we want to see? What, what goals would you have for these young guys throughout the season as they I, develop? I'd like to see them playing minutes. That's the, the number one thing. If they're playing minutes, they can make mistakes and that's where they learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, look at Dante Exum, right? Like he's getting a real shot to play big minutes. I think he's going to be better because of it. It's just how the NBA works. And the, you know, all of these guys are going to be competing with each other for minutes. So that's good. They're going to weed each other out to a certain degree, right? You're either going to win minutes or you aren't. Uh, and that's rare in the NBA. You know, so many guys that like the job is handed to them. And these guys are going to have a legitimate chance to earn their minutes. I think that's and, that's and that's the, that that's another thing, by the way, Dave, that that we're missing the last two games right now with the amount of injuries they're dealing with mm-hmm. is Jetty Osman, who is a pretty historically <laughs> up and down player. I mean, he had by far his worst game of the season, just completely lost out there. This is a game where you normally sit him and you don't put him back out there. Uh, right. But they had to keep giving him minutes because they were just so short on the wing. So, like, I think that that this team getting healthy is going to be really, really good for yeah. the development of their young guys, even though that means minutes are harder to come by, which is a weird, uh, but that's know. a good thing. I think yeah. that's a good thing because what, it, what is going to happen is that coach is going to let you know who's actually, who can play and who can't, mm-hmm. like he's not going to, he's not going to put you out there. If you're a bum, if he's got another option, it just isn't going to happen. And so I, I think that that's what I would pay attention to. Watch the minutes if you want to watch stats. But to me, I would be like, well, you know, they're fun. Watch yeah. that. Like they're yeah. they're flipping behind the back passes on every other fast break, right? Like they're they're getting out and running. Uh, Garland is a, a really fantastic passer. Um, but the biggest thing is, yeah, those for those young guys, watch those minutes. And, and they're getting minutes. That's a good sign. They're fun, but they're not good. And you know what? They, yeah. Like, it, it's fine. Like, when, when everything's clicking, I think they have talent to be good and, and to lose some games or to, to win some games they should have lost and they'll lose some games that they should win, right? Like, I, yeah. I think you saw that with the Sixers and Knicks. 
Anyways, Dave, we really do appreciate you coming on. We don't want to take up too much of your time, especially with this being New Year's Eve. Do you have any parting thoughts for us on the Cavs or the NBA season in general? Or or plugs? Do do whatever you want here, buddy. Um, no, I don't. I mean, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. I would say for this mm. season, it's going to be weird. Uh, the only the only reason I know this stat is because of Tony Jones. But the Utah Jazz play thirty seven games in seventy one days. That's a lot of games. A lot. Try not to have a take about every single one of them. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That is fantastic. And, and you know what? For if someone, whoever's listening is in a similar situation to me where you don't have the option to go outside, it is nice to have that many games. So uh, you, you know what? Let's try to have some fun this season. I think we're going to have a lot of fun because there, there's a lot of things to be interested in. Do not have too many takes, and as we all predicted, or at least as I predicted, the Cavs go into 2021 with an above 500 record. So you know what? (laughs) How about that? How about that? The hater said it couldn't happen. Dave, thank you so much for all your time. We really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. Make sure to all our listeners that you are listening to Nerd She Wrote, following Dave at The Athletic, all of that good stuff. Man is one of the best people in the business and one of the best writers and best podcasters, all that good stuff. So make sure you support. Make sure you, yeah, make make sure you're supporting them the same way you support us, which is by leaving that rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Downs exclusive Discord chat, you can send us a screenshot of that review at chasedownpod at gmail.com. Carter, you put your fingers up. What do you want? Oh, I was just doing finger guns. Oh, okay. Well, I, I thought this was. Hey, I wanted to add something before. I'll tell the you what. Ends. I haven't eaten dinner. I had a. I had an I, uh, uh, a heavy IPA over the course of this. Uh, right. This pot. I'm a little. Hey, how about that? <laughs> Chased you... a one year old around all day. Drank a one beer. One Ooh, beer, and I. Wow! Bought... Look at you. Ooh. Very, very strong beer. You know what? This is derailing, but um, I can't, uh, for those that know, I, I don't have gluten. I, I get sick from it. Um, my wife got me some mead. You ever, oh. ever drink mead? That's awesome. I, Congratulations, that's, that's a, my friend. This is a new experience for me, and I, I'm all here for that uh, fermented honey. Uh, so, you know what? Enjoy whatever you're drinking tonight. If you're listening to this in 2021, I hope you guys are having a great year. Stay safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs.